Kevin Mondro here. Coach Dro. Welcome back to the Tell Me Your Story Coach Podcast. The podcast where we advocate coaches and help young coaches learn from the coaches telling these stories. Today we are talking to Coach Jeff Smith. Coach Smith is currently the associate head coach for Coach Greg Campy at Oakland University. And everyone knows Coach Jeff as simply Smitty. Coach Smitty was named the associate head coach for Oakland University in August of 2019. Before joining Coach Campy and his incredible coaching staff, Coach Smitty spent the previous seven seasons as an assistant coach at Central Michigan University for Coach Keno Davis. And this is Coach Smitty's second stint with Oakland. Coach Smitty was on the sidelines for the Golden Grizzlies as an assistant and associate head coach for five seasons prior. And Coach Smitty played a massive role in the 2005 NCAA tournament win. I am very eager for you to hear some of the amazing perspective that Coach Smitty has to say about working for Greg Campy. I think it is terrific. Smitty played and graduated from Alma College. Coach Smitty got his start as an assistant coach at Albion for Coach Mike Turner. Smitty then joined the Central Michigan program as a graduate assistant in 1997 and was promoted to assistant coach two years later. As you soon will hear, Coach Jay Smith, then the head coach at Central Michigan, played a major role in getting Smitty started in college. Coach Smitty also worked as an assistant on Coach Jim Boylan's staff at Utah from 2007 to 11. And wait till you hear the admiration that Coach Smitty has for Coach Jim Boylan. I love this podcast. For starters, if you're a young coach who's been told that you can't make it in this business, then this is the conversation for you. Coach Smitty was driven to prove so many people wrong. There is also a level of reflection from Coach Smitty that is truly remarkable and inspiring. Finally, the incredible tips that Coach Smith shares about recruiting and teaching and creating genuine relationships are simply excellent. And after listening to this podcast, we all will be screaming, live in the moment and chase your dreams. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform that you are currently listening. Remember, we are everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Please keep telling your coaching friends about this podcast. Bigger audience that we can create, the bigger impact we can make with younger coaches. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Instagram at Tell Me Your Story Coach. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Twitter at Coach Kevin Dro. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Kevin Mondro. By the way, if you need fall gear and uniforms, check out my show notes below and connect with Moneyball Sportswear today. Enter the promo code DRO and gear up. And if you're looking for a book to read this fall, I highly recommend the book Deep, The Life of Rob Murphy, Alive with Purpose. See my show notes for how you can secure a copy of this amazing book by Coach Murph. Finally, pre-order Rashad Phillips' book, Position Basketball Metric. Rashad Phillips breaks down how the evolution of basketball has called for updated terminology for player positions. See my show notes for how you can pre-order this new book by this incredible basketball mind. Enough of Coach Joe. Let's get to Coach Jeff Smith and tell his story. Smitty, why do you coach? I think maybe it's changed over the course of my career. When I first started doing this, it was uh, I was playing in college and I was so involved and basketball was everything to me. And, you know, at that point in time, I was in college and I thought I was going to be an attorney. I was going to go to law school. It's the reason why I chose Alma College was because of the pre-law program and the pre-law advisor. And I started working camps in the summer and I just really fell in love with 
being on the floor in a different role, you know, from being a player, all of a sudden you're directing and watching these young kids get better over the course of five days. And, and I was around college coaches while I was doing it. And I thought, man, this would be great. And I couldn't imagine my life without being in basketball. And I knew at a very early age, I was never going to be a professional player at any level. And so I thought this was the best way for me to keep my hand in the huddle, so to speak. I just didn't know what it would be to not be a part of a team or not be a part of basketball. And and so that at age 19, I decided I want to be a, a college basketball coach. And I stayed in the pre-law program. And, you know, so many people drove, told me I would never be able to be a Division One basketball coach. They said, you know, you didn't play at the high level. You're not affiliated. You know, all they they give you all the reasons to do it. And uh, and I just kept pursuing and chasing my dream. And my dream was to be a Division One basketball coach. And and I was very fortunate to break in to the Division One level as early in life as I did. And then as I started doing it, I, I realized that you know this was something that was probably deeper in me than just being a part of a team. Like I really loved so many things about the competitive nature of coaching. And for me, I thought this was the best way for me to fill my competitive drive was by coaching. So you're 19, you work in all these camps. Who are some of the coaches that inspired you or impacted you to create this vision that, hey, I want to be a Division One coach? Yeah, it uh, you know it started with Jay Smith. He was the assistant coach at the University of Michigan. He was running the camps, and and I just wrote a letter to him asking if I could work the camp. And so he hired me, and I ended up working several weeks each summer throughout the course of my college career. And you know, and, and ironically enough, I, he was the first Division One head coach that I worked for in my career. But he got me involved with uh, some older coaches that were at the camp, and you know, a couple of names that you know people may or may not know, but Mark Comstock. Who uh, you know was a long, long time college basketball coach. He's now a high school coach here in the state of Michigan. And then a guy named Roger Lyons, who at that time was coaching at the professional level in the in the CBA. But those two guys, when you know, when I was in my early twenties, were probably as influential on me before I got into my career as anybody else was. And you know, I owe a lot to Jay Smith. He gave me my first opportunity to get into coaching, and he gave me my first opportunity at the Division One level. And and I was young; I was twenty four years old when he hired me to be an assistant coach at Central Michigan. So that was uh, early in my college career, spending time in the summers with all of those older coaches. And for whatever reason, Drew, I was always drawn to spend time with those guys. You know, there were a lot of things going on, a lot of evening activities that (laughs) camp coaches would do. But, you know, I always just wanted to spend time talking with those guys. And they always gave me a list of books to read. They always gave me a, a series of videos, different coaching drills and things to watch. And I think that it really laid the foundation for my coaching career. You're currently the associate head coach at Oakland University for Greg Campy. I just had Coach Campy on the podcast this summer and it just blew me away. I mean, he raved about you, Smitty. He basically said, young coaches, don't connect with me, connect with Smitty because he's going to be a head coach. It was an empowering statement. What does it mean that Greg Campy believes in you so much? I think that all of us aspire to have the people with whom we work on a daily basis believe in us and have our back. And, you know, Coach Campy, obviously, his success, it seems to know no bounds. I mean, what he's done in his almost 40 years now at Oakland University, it's unprecedented to take Oakland from a very below average Division II program 
to one of the elite Division II programs in the country and then make that transition from Division II to Division One, from one league to the other to the other, and go through as many ADs and presidents and all the things that he's done. And, you know, obviously, huge number of wins in his career, so many championships. But I think that the most unbelievable thing for me about Campy is the depth at which he cares you know and sometimes people don't see it because they see him during the course of a game right. and, you know and he's high octane on those sidelines i mean there's no doubt about it but away from it you know i can't imagine ever working for someone who has more compassion and concern not just for the people that he coaches but for the people around him what he's done for me in my career i'll never be able to repay him you know he gave me an opportunity to come here when i was young i left central michigan and told me you can recruit as much as you want and then he elevated me each year that I was here with him the first time, and he prepared me for what was to come. And at times when I was working for him, I don't think I always understood it, Dro, you know, as you're going through it, like sometimes you're like, why is this happening? Right. Why am I doing this? As time went on, I look back and I think about my five years here. It may have been the most defining five-year period of my career. How has Coach Greg Campy evolved? I think that uh, he is, he's always been very, very comfortable in his own skin. But I think, you know, with what he's done in his career, I think he is very content and knows that Oakland is the place that it is. It's where he's going to finish his coaching career. And I think that he's so comfortable doing what he does. And I think that now, especially because of who we work for here, our athletic director is phenomenal. We have a great president. I think he's got a serious level of comfort with what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that as he's evolved as a coach, he's also evolved as a person. I think he just just again, like I said, he's always been caring and compassionate. But you look at what he does in the city of Detroit with the homeless people, what he does nationally with the Coaches for Cancer movement, you know, all those things. I think he's focused on really just trying to do the best job that he can to impact this world, not just college basketball. You know, obviously the coaching, the success, all of those things. I just think that the where he's evolved is he's just become such a prominent figure in the community as far as the state of Michigan and with what he's done with cancer, it's just been tremendous. So, you know, I think that like all of us, you know, you always want to try to grow and, and learn from your mistakes and learn from your experiences. And for him, I think he's just at a place in his life where he knows exactly what he wants to do. He knows exactly where he wants things to go and he's comfortable with it. You know, spent the entire morning here at Oakland, Coach Collin, Coach Cove, Coach T. Jones, now this podcast with you, done them all. I'm amazed with the symmetry, the cohesiveness on the staff. And we've been doing this. We're both doing this for a long time. And, you know, you're on staffs and, and I've been as fault of anyone, maybe not being the most uh, loyal or linked person on the staff. And, and those are faults that I've talked about. But like, how special is it that you come to work with some guys that are all on the same path to help coach Campy and the players here win? Yeah, it's it's really special, and you know, and, and I think you're right. You don't always you don't always get this. You know, you don't always have that experience where I've been in different roles on different staffs. I mean, you know, as far as the bottom of the totem pole, the top of the totem pole, so to speak. But you know, and throughout the course of my career, you know, there've been times when you know, I look back and man, I wish I would have done this differently. Right. I wish I would have you know connected with this guy or with that guy better. But you know, one thing that we have here, it, it really it, it is. It's it's very very it's great synergy between all of us. And now with Colin, you know, Colin started as a manager yeah, and then pretty cool the, story. Yeah, manager <laughs> to GA to video to, you know, he, and he's been phenomenal and, and he's just slid into that role 
role and has done a great job. And, you know, obviously T. Jones has, has been at this for a very, very long time and has had so many different experiences at the different levels of college basketball and, and has won everywhere that he's been. And so, you know, he and I, we had never worked together, but we've known each other forever. And so it was a really easy, smooth transition. And I've known Cove, you know, when I was here the first time, I never coached him, but he was just, he had just finished and he was always around and he was coaching high school and in AAU. And so we've known each other for a long time. And, you know, the thing I, I just, I love watching Cove, even though he's not young, young, like maybe in his early twenties, you know, right. just getting started, but he's relatively new to the division one level. And he does a tremendous job. He's so good with our players. He does a great job with workouts. He's got a tremendous demeanor about him. He doesn't get rattled. He doesn't get overly excited. And so I think we all just, we fit together. I think we've got the the right people in the right seats on the bus and it's been great. It's so funny that before we started recording, you mentioned Traverse City. Your family might have went on a quick little vacation and the first time I think I ever met you was on a beach in Traverse City. My wife and I were dating. I think you might have been recently married and we were on a beach or somewhere and we bumped into each other and we introduced each other. <laughs> you were like exhausted and I'm like, how come you're so exhausted? He's like, Joe, I just ran. The Jay Smith camps, for people out there, they're legendary. Like Coach Smith had camps after camp after camp after camp. And you were young assistant. You were running those camps. My wife said, well, what do you think about Coach? And I was like, he's a grinder. And she's like, and she's like, you work hard. I'm like, I don't work hard like this. I mean, it just blew me away. When you think about those camp days and like young coach, what was your mindset then? Yeah, I think it's changed a ton. You know, and I look back and I remember that day. Actually, it's funny. We The resort where we stay in Traverse City is right across the street from the hotel where you were staying at that time. <laughs> yeah. And I remember I'd, I was coming back from a run through the, the trail there. And uh, I told my wife we were out, for, we were walking last week in Traverse City. And we started talking. I told her about meeting you like for the first time right there That's in that right. hotel parking lot, you know. And But, you know, back when, when I was young, I I think at times I was just so driven and so determined in large part to prove everybody wrong. And I look back now sometimes and I wish I would have enjoyed it more. You know, I, I, you're right. I, I've always kind of had that mindset of being a grinder. Again, I didn't play at the Division One level. My dad wasn't a coach. I wasn't tied in with some AAU program. And, and no criticism to guys who get into the business who have those things. That's great. Everybody has their own path and their own journey. But I just knew that if I was going to do this, it was going to be because I had to work unbelievably hard to get where I wanted to go. And, you know, I think that uh, one of my really good friends who was in the NBA for a long time, you know, he said to me, you know, a few years ago, I said, you know, I don't quite do it like that anymore. And, and his response was, if you still have to spend that amount of time doing these things, he goes, you haven't learned very much. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think I'm way better now, Dro, at picking the times. Like when it's time to work, I'm going to work. And when right. it's time to get away, you know, like last week in Trevor Street, I didn't, I didn't really do anything. Yeah. You know, did a little recruiting, you know, here and there. But for the most part, it was, I just children relaxed my family. And I think I'm better at that part of it now. Plus that time I just didn't know anything, you know, yeah. and it was just the, the learning curve was different. Different. And, you know, now it's the, there's and technologies help that too. But I just think that, you know, my mindset has changed. And I wish back then that I would have been more patient. I wish I would have been more empathetic. I wish I would have been more open to just more conversations with people. And I think I was way too bullheaded, way too strong-willed. And at times those were what the traits that got me to where I am. But, you know, along the way, I just wish it would have been a little different. So you guys have a lot of talented players potentially could have a great season. As we approach September 1st, like what's your current mindset with this team, how you can assist Coach Campy? I think the biggest thing 
since I've been here where I've really tried to impact the program on the floor is I spent a lot of time with our defensive stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, when I first got here, it was the man-to-man, and then we went back to the zone sort of just out of, I don't want to call it desperation, but we felt it was it was just out of necessity because of COVID. You know, we lost that entire summer with a relatively new team, and then we lost so much time in the fall that we just went to it. We coached that zone when I was here the first time, and I think the year of COVID, we did a good job with it, but I think that last year we took such a huge step because he and I were more comfortable with it, you know, yeah. I think. And so I try to impact us from really from the, the defensive side of it. I mean, he's such a good, I mean, he's a great coach on both sides of the ball, but his offensive mind is so advanced and so gifted. And I don't think I need to help him there much. You know, there's times where he'll be like, hey, I want to you know, talk about this or talk about that. But I think where I can impact him is on the defensive side and then daily bringing that energy and that intensity to the practice floor each and every day. I think those are the two areas where I can impact him on the floor. Energy and intensity. Describe that to me. You know, I think it's the constant level. It's consistent of there's energy and enthusiasm and the intensity is a constant focus on what we're supposed to do. Mm. And I want to have, you know, and I want to have fun. And I've tried to change my mindset over the last couple of years of really being more conscious of teaching and not criticizing. And it's a fine line. And I think sometimes guys don't always understand that you're trying to teach them and they feel like you're criticizing them. And so for me, it's having that edge and that energy and that enthusiasm. And what I try to do now, and I say that now, like in the last few months, is circle back and revisit things with players so that they understand exactly what it is that I'm trying to do for them and for us. You know, and I think that there are too many years in my career where, you know, I'm out there just going crazy and and trying to teach and coach and guys weren't understanding. And and there's probably nothing worse than being misunderstood. Right. You know, I think too many times in my career, my wife will say this all the time. She's like, no, she goes, I've never anybody that's more misunderstood than you. She's like, your intentions are unbelievable, but sometimes the perception is, you know, and it doesn't matter if it's on the basketball floor or if it's in our living room, you know, it's so it's, it's something I've had to try to, to really work on and try to be way more conscious of now. We all have our, our shortcomings and our areas where we need to improve. And, and I've talked with our players, especially the veteran guys about, hey, listen, I, this is what I want to do and I need your help. You know, if you feel as though something's not going right, you just need to come talk to me about it because this is my intention and I want you to be the best player you can be and I want our team to win. Doing that on a daily basis, you know, there's a lot of guys that are laid back and chill and, you know, usually the players always like them, but it doesn't always mean they're helping them get where they want to go. You know, in my style, and that's that's okay, that's their style, but my style is I'm going to come at you, I'm direct, I'm going to constantly be on you about trying to be as good as you can be. And at the end of the day, you know, we're going to, when we walk away, it's, it's all good. So you talked about helping coach with the zone. You guys played it before. You guys played it when you were at Central Michigan, played a little zone. You know, man-to-man guy, you know, like how do you, like it's a true credit to you as a coach that you would submerge yourself into learning the zone. You know, I worked for Murph 10 years at Eastern, but he brought it from Bayheim. So that was like his baby. And I started to learn it. And I, if I ever probably was a head coach, I'd probably play it because I had 10 years of experience with it. But like, how did you, coming from this man-to-man philosophy, like how did you just say like, hey, I'm going to become an expert on this? You know, I, I think that maybe the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my coaching career is that I have worked for a very diverse group of head coaches right. and some tremendous basketball coaches. I mean, Greg Campy is a great basketball coach. Jim Boylan is without question the 
the greatest basketball guy I've ever been around. He's won three world championships, you know, on NBA staffs. He's worked for four Hall of Fame guys. I mean, he can teach and he's so smart and he's so creative. And then I worked for Jim Woldridge at Riverside, you know, who also had been an assistant in the NBA, was a longtime head coach. I worked for Mike Turner. I mean, I, I always, as I talk about some of these different guys, I owe as much to Coach Turner as I do anybody in my coaching career. He hired me. He was the first guy I worked for. You know, he was coach at Albion for, I don't know, 42, 43. Great coach. Yeah, you know, won a million games. And, Amazing. You know, just a tremendous, tremendous basketball coach. And, you know, my time at Central Michigan was like I worked for two head coaches because I was with Dave Grube, who, you know, was a great, successful head coach at the Division three level and then had a great experience at Kent State. You know, and then I worked for Keno, who, you know, that was a totally different experience for me. His, his philosophy and his thought process was unlike anyone I'd ever worked for. And it's, it's great because yeah, works for him, you know? Yeah. And you, you, so I, I felt like I was this kind of this carpenter that was creating my own tool <laughs> shed. And I'd been able to take things from every guy for whom I've worked and every person with whom I've worked and take things from them that I've been able to add into my tool chest. And so when I came here and we decided to go back to the zone, you know, Campy and I sat down and we, we went through a bunch of stuff and we did a couple of Zoom calls with a, a coaches who have coach zone. And then we just kind of put it together. And it was, you know, one of the things I think that's so great about Campy too, you asked me earlier, is he's very, very comfortable with, he doesn't have to have all the answers. Mm. You know, we can go out on the practice floor and we'll start doing something and he'll look at me and be like, I don't like this. You know, or he'll come into me. He's like, I don't like how I'm doing this. He's like, come up with some different things that you think we can do. You know, he, he it doesn't have, it's not about him. And I think that that's what's allowed us to kind of have this zone evolve. And it's going to be interesting this year for us because we're going to go back to playing at such a high rate of speed. Mm. You know, we've got offensive minded and offensive talented players. And so how can we adapt the zone to fit this personnel? You know, last year it was all about the length. This year we're going to have a little less length, but we're going to have a little bit more speed. So, right. you know, for me, the challenge is as we go through the fall, how can we take the zone and continue to adapt it to fit the personnel we have? And that's where, you know, can't be so good. There's no, you know, it, he's not trying to, it's not about you're going to fit my system. He's going to be like, part of what's great about his system is his system evolves to what his players are. And so we take our personnel and we'll figure out what works for us. You mentioned Coach Boylan. What made Coach Boylan tick? I don't think I've ever been around anybody who thinks about basketball more than he does. Tremendous, detailed teacher. He lives, eats, breathes, sleeps basketball 24-7. I mean, you, you talk about a grinder. I mean, as a head coach, I mean, that guy was, you know, he was 24-7. You know, you think a lot of times people talk about the NBA guys and there's this misconception that when the final game gets over with, those guys don't, you know, see it yeah, yeah, see, you know, see at training camp. You know, that's that's not the truth at all. And Coach and Coach Boylan, I mean, he, like Coach Campy, I mean, it, you talk about a guy that would do anything for you. You know, and, and we had a, a great four years together at Utah. We won a championship. We coached some great players and the, and that was another staff too drove i mean the, the guys on that staff stan johnson who's now the head coach at, yeah. at loyola marymount barrett peary who's now at wow. unlv and was the head coach at portland state we clicked and yeah. and it was great and unfortunately it just it just didn't end well we went through a tough transition and you know that's part of this business and but coach boylan is an unbelievable teacher he's a tremendously great guy has a high level of intensity and he is an ultimate grinder and you know when i think about the opportunity he 
gave me to leave here and go out to Utah, it changed my career because I started recruiting on a national level. I was able to get into Texas and started recruiting in Texas and I had some really good players from Texas at Utah and we had some great players from Texas at, uh, at Central Michigan. Ugh, and now we've got a couple that are here and, you know, and, and coach, he walked into my office in Utah the first day I was on the job. He threw about six different magazines down from Texas recruiting services and said, I want you to recruit Texas. I'd never done it a day in my life. And it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me professionally from a recruiting standpoint. So I've mentioned many times on this that I've, I, I didn't do a very good job in networking. Still to this day, I don't do a great job staying in touch with people. How did you network and go from Oakland to Utah? Well, uh, when I was with Coach Campy the first time, you know, Mark Montgomery, who's now back at Michigan State, he and I had worked together at Central Michigan. And so I would go over and see Monty and watch Michigan State practice. And when Jimmy came back from the pros, it was after uh, Doug Wojcik had left and gone to Tulsa and Jim came in and followed him. And we were, it was, it was strange, you know, back in those days when it was the long July recruiting periods and he and I were sitting, happened to be sitting next to each other at, a, at an event in Lansing. And we just started talking for a little bit. And, and he, he was like, Hey, give me your number. Uh, on the way home that night, I got this phone call from somebody. I don't know who it is. So, you know, I, you're not answering that, right? Especially then in no. July, man, you just want to get home and, and call it a summer. And, and, and I got home and listened to the voicemail. It was him. And so we just, we started talking, I don't know, once every couple of weeks. And then it became, you know, once or twice a week. And then it got to the point where we were, we were talking almost every day. And, and I would be at, over at Michigan State quite a bit. Was, at that time, we were recruiting Lansing so much that I was, I was in Lansing all the time. And the spring that we recruited Jonathan Jones, and that became, you know, it got into a real heated recruiting war with a number of schools. And so I was around Okemos quite a bit. So Jim and I just got to be really good friends. And then when he got the job, he offered me a chance to go with him. And, and it was great. And, and, you know, and I think that's one thing that's really changed in this profession. And, and I, I would tell young coaches, you know, I think find a real tight circle. And that was one of the, the blessings about when, when we got let go at Utah is you really find out who your friends are. And there were a lot of people that just all of a sudden they ghost you. And, you know, you're, you're thinking to yourself, I would never do that to them. But, you know, it was a great learning experience. And, and the one thing I would say is I don't spend a whole lot of time chit-chatting with people. Like when I go to the Final Four, I don't go anywhere near that lobby. You know, I, I just um, I have a, a small number of guys and they're, my wife and I like to spend time with, you know, having dinner, having lunch, whatever. And, um, you know, find a small, tight circle of people who genuinely care about you and that you genuinely care about too and build that thing. Because as you go through this, and, and I think maybe it's just an age thing for us too, Drew, as we get into our 50s, it's a, it's a different deal, right? Where you just, you know, you don't have time for all of the nonsense. I don't I don't really have time for the fake, you know, you, you think about conversations. I mean, then typically it goes like this, right? Like you see somebody and I was your year. Oh, it was you know, the blah, blah, blah. Okay. And then it was, uh, how many guys you got to sign? <laughs> and then it goes, you got any games you got to still got to get oh, your schedule done. Sure. And then you're basically done talking and you move on to the next guy yeah. and it's the same conversation. And, you know, and so it, it's fine. It, it just, as I've gotten older, I guess I value organic and authentic relationships much more. And, you know, you have to do what you have to do when you get in the profession. You're just, you know, trying to fight so hard to get in and stay in. But for me now, you used the phrase when we were talking before this about coaching, you know, defining you. And mm -hmm. when people ask me that, you know, first of all, I hate people calling me Coach Smith. I have a name. I tell our players, they call me Smitty. You know, I, I'm not going to call you player. Don't call me coach, you know. And for me, this does not define me. You know, and there was a time in my life where I thought if I'm not the head coach somewhere in the Big Ten or somewhere like that, if I don't get to be an assistant at the, you know, the highest level again, you know, my career fell short. And I know there's a lot of guys that feel like they look and they're like, well, you know, why would you want to stay at Oakland? And, you know, I, I love it here. Yeah. You know, my family loves it here. And But the coaching role does not define who I am. Yeah. You know, I've got my wife and I have two wonderful daughters that we are trying to raise. And I'm fortunate that I've still got my parents and, 
and everybody, all of our family is very, very close to us. And, you know, in this summer with what we've gone through with my family, it has been, you know, it has been even more eye-opening to me about how important what we do as a collective unit is. And it's not about my career. You mentioned head coach though. You were the interim head coach at Utah. You know, it's funny as you get older, you just get, when you're younger, you get a lot really jealous of people. Well, at least I was, but when you get older, you appreciate people. And I remember like watching you be the interim head coach and like, I was super, super excited for you. It was just, I thought it was awesome. But as you think about it, how do you think assistants, because most of us are career assistants or assistants on different staffs, and I say career assistants in a, in a respectful way, but how do assistants prepare to be a head coach? Yeah, you know, and, and I always tell people that I was the interim head coach, but Jim had to take that loss that, uh, you know, but, <laughs> you know, it, that experience, though, I mean, I would never want to have to do it again under those circumstances because he was going through some stuff with, they had a some real health scare in their family, and so he yeah. had to step away. But, you know, for that couple of weeks, 10 days or whatever it was of having to to organize the practice plans. And again, I, I think I'm so thankful for Barrett and Stan because, and the rest of the guys were on our staff there because, you know, there wasn't one ounce of, you know, people rolling their eyes or it was, hey, let's just try to win this game. Let's right. try to make these guys better. And, you know, I think that was a real learning experience for me. I would tell people, you know, I remember one time I was interviewing for a Division II head coaching job and Dave Group, who I mentioned earlier, who, you know, is just an unbelievable influence on my career. I said, do you think I'm ready to be a head coach? And he said, no. He said, because no one is. He said, you're not ready to do it until you do it. But but I do think that trying to every day look at situations and not in questioning what the head coach is doing or what another head coach is doing, but asking yourself, why do you think they're doing that? What would you, you know, I, I was, t- I go through scenarios in my mind a lot of times when I'm driving, going recruiting, or especially, you know, when I've got hours in the car, okay, you know, you become the head coach at Oakland, you know, your first two weeks on the job, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, and then when you get to the summer, you know, what are you going to do with your guys in the summer? How do you want your summer to look? You know, I, I pick different subjects, you know, you, all of a sudden you've got an issue where a player gets in trouble for, you know, some type of, you know, issue with whether it's alcohol or drugs or, you know, and now you've got people coming to you and they want you to make a decision. How are you going to handle those things? And, and I think going over it in your mind, again, you're not going to know what you're going to do until you get there. And I'm, I'm with you, Drew. Like earlier in my career, I mean, I had such a comparative mindset. I mean, even until I was in my early forties, you know, right, right around 40 is when it really changed where I was always looking at, well, why does this guy have, get this job or, yeah. why, you know, and now I'm like, I, I root for everybody. Hey man, I'm, I'm happy for it. the guy gets a job. Good for him. You know, I mean, he, he gets a contract extension. Good for him. I hope it happens to me someday. But I think always, you know, success leaves clues. And I think when you're when you're watching and you've got to be inquisitive, not judgmental. You know, I think you're always like, I, there's a lot of times I walk into camp and I'll be like, why'd you do that? And he's great because he'll tell me exactly why. And he knows I'm not questioning what he did. I'm yeah. at, I, I'm literally like trying to learn. You know, because again, I hope that someday that I have the opportunity to be in that chair. And you know, it used to be, I think when I was young, it was always, I was asking those questions for the wrong reasons. Now I'm, I just want to learn and want to grow. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, another thing, you probably don't know that you made such an impact in my professional life, but you told me one thing once that has resonated with me throughout my career. And you used to say, Dro, I don't know if I was envious, but I was very intrigued why you were a very good recruiter. I just don't think I was a very good recruiter. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, one of the reasons I just didn't work at it, you used to tell me that you would do five things a day recruiting, regardless, 365 a year. Do you still maintain that approach and who taught you that? You know, I don't know if, if I could tell you that this person told me that this is what they do. I just remember, I used to tell myself like, you know, it was, it's kind of like Jim Boyle always talks about Rudy Tomjanovich always used to say like when they, especially at training camp, guys, let's, let's just get 
get better at one thing today. Yeah. You know, and it sounds so silly, like, you know, MBA, but it was like with recruiting, you say, okay, let's, let's just make sure that we're trying to do. And I think I always, I always did try to do five, you know, even, and it would be even like during the holidays, you know, when it would be quote unquote downtime, I would really try to do that. And, you know, now I think it's a little, it's changed so much, you know, the recruiting process and, yeah. and the, with the portal and the transfer world that we live in, it's a little bit different, but I still try to every day do some things to make sure that we're in a position that from what I can control and what I can impact that I'm doing that. You know, obviously we have staff, we have three guys that can, they're all are proven recruiters. I mean, you look at what Cove's done, what Tony's done in his the course of his career. You know, we've all been there. And I think one of the things that's great too is when you work for a guy like Coach Campy, recruiting is so much easier, yeah. you know, because his record with wins and losses and having, you know, Jamal's going about to be the fifth guy to play in the NBA in the last, what, 13 years. And so, but yeah, I think every day, you know, under normal circumstances, this summer has been strange for me, but under normal circumstances, every day, it's the two things now that I think about on the drive-in are, how can I help our team and how can I help us recruit? And I try to pick two or three things each way of those two things, because at the end of the day, the most important recruits you have are the players in your program. And it's sometimes I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody of forgetting that. They become a little bit of a, an oversight because you're so worried about, you know, I'm chasing this guy or chasing that guy. And, you know, so, I, but I think every day trying to pick two or three things that you can do to, to impact your team and impact the recruiting for your program. You know, if you can do that almost every day, you're going to be where you want to be. The other thing that I really, really admired is your ability to create relationships, strong, genuine relationships. Many times, like for you to go into Texas with no recruiting experience, create release relationships. And I mean, I still have nightmares from these players that went to Central Michigan that lit us up for 35 points against their zone. But they, just the idea of like, even here in your home state, you ever talk to anybody? I just had lunch with Larry DeSempler and he just like, think about Smitty. He's a connector. You know, you'll talk to, and I think Larry D's the same way, you know, talk to this coach at Detroit and the coach will be like, oh, I just talked to Smitty and talk to this coach in Lansing. You talk to this coach in Grand Rapids, Ann Arbor. How have you carved out time to stay in contact with specifically the high school coach? You know, I, I think it's when I was younger, I was just trying to establish relationships, right? It's, it's you, you know, I was brand new to it. When I first started coaching, I was in that restricted earning spot. Like I think you were yeah. at, at Detroit as well, right? Were you in that third slot for a while? I was director of ops, but yeah, then, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, yep. so, so I wasn't on the road recruiting. I was great because, you know, when guys would come on campus and, you know, those types of things, I was always involved in it, but just wanted to get to know some of these coaches. And as I got older, they were, you know, guys went from being assistant varsity coaches to all of a sudden the varsity coach and same thing with the AAU. And so it was just about building and establishing those relationships. And one of the downsides to what we've done with our recruiting calendar is that you don't get to see people as often as you once did. And then the two years of COVID just, I mean, it was like seeing guys at our team camp this summer. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was, it was like, you know, we'd all hadn't seen each other in 30 years, you yeah. know, and high school reunion. Yeah, it really was. And so I, I think I just, I, I've always had the ability to feel pretty comfortable just talking to people, you know, and where some people don't have that, you know, Kevin Gamble always used to say, Smitty, you can talk to a fire hydrant, you know, and, and if it, but it was, it's just always been a, a natural thing for me. And, and so, you know, the, the one thing that as you get older and I, I think I need to do, go back to doing a better job of is picking up the phone more, you know, it's, it's sometimes you get caught up now when you got family stuff 
stuff going on and you got your, you know, my responsibilities have shifted, you know, here with coaching. You know, there's more off the floor in the office things that I do now that maybe I didn't do earlier in my career. But I would tell young guys getting into it, you need to be on that phone as much as you possibly can. As you gain your experience in coaching and you gain your experience in this profession, the most important value you can bring to your head coach, in my opinion, is recruiting and relationships with your players. Mm. You know, I think that as we get older, you know, guys who are in their early 20s, there's a lot of times those head coaches don't want to hear from them. You know, they want to know, can you get me a player and can you take care of the players we have? You know, after you've been doing it for a while, then it's, then things shift to where they're going to, you know, because you've been through the wars and you've had the experiences. But early on, you better be able to recruit and you better be able to connect with your players. Spending time with them on the floor, spending time with them away from it, really, really important. I try to make my time with our players. It may not be as often as it was when I was a young single guy, but I try to be a little bit more impactful with it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Gamble teased you, Kevin Gamble, great player, <laughs> crushing it for the Raptors, fan scout. The fire hydrant comment, he said that obviously out of great respect and admiration. Like, you think it's your ability to listen? How could you have these connections? Like, that is a, a, an extreme metaphor, but there's more to it. What's the power when you have conversation with someone? I do try to, when I engage in a conversation, you know, like I touched on, especially now, I want the relationships I have in my life to be way more authentic and organic. I don't really value just the random chit chat. I'm not a surface guy. Like I, I just don't have a lot of interest in that. And so, you know, when I, and, and even with some of the younger guys, like I've got a, a really good friend who worked for us at CMU as an assistant coach in junior college. And, you know, he's a guy that calls me and asks questions all the time. And Dominic, the coach at U of M Dearborn calls and, and asks questions. And, you know, I, I feel good because they're calling for a reason and I feel as though I can help them. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's really, really important. Got to be able to listen. And we all have friends. We all have family members. We all have coworkers who aren't very good at listening. I think that's one thing that Coach Campy, I, I've learned from him. I think he is a tremendous listener. He's unbelievably intelligent. I think he's the guy that there are a lot of times in my career, both times when I've been with him, we'll have a conversation and he, he kind of just leaves it. And then the next day he'll walk in and be like, hey, you know, I was thinking about what we talked about Tuesday. Yeah. You know, and, and, he, and I'm like, oh, you know, where some guys sometimes, you know, they're, they don't have the ability to lock in and listen. And, you know, I, I try to do that. I try to do that with our players. I try to do it with our kids. And, you know, like everything, Kevin, yeah, I mean, there's times when I fall short, you know, I, I wish I was better at it, but I do genuinely, I do value relationships with people and I want to hear what they have to say. And, and if I can help, I can help you go through the course of your career. And I know that you can't coach guys the way that I coach guys and think that you're going to bat a thousand with the relationships you're going to have with them. But when I get the letters and the text messages or the emails or the conversations I have with former players from years ago to most recently, and and we just talk about things and we can laugh. I mean, Chris Fowler, who you had on the podcast, you know, like this summer, just getting to sit with him for a day. I was just so happy for him that he's back in Michigan. And, you know, I think that what DJ and and that staff, they're going to do at Western is it's going to be phenomenal. Glad we're not playing them. (laughs) Um, But, you know, when I get to see those guys and spend time with them, it just, it, it means way more to me than I'm sure it does to them. So you mentioned your family. How do you balance being a husband and a father in this challenging profession? So you want to be a great coach. You want to do a great job for Coach Campy, the staff, the players, but you also want to be there for them. And I think that's that's changed too, where it used to be, I felt as though I kind of lived in this constant state of guilt, where if I was at the office, I feel like I should be at home with my kids, you know, and if I'm home with my kids, I should be on the road recruiting. And now, you know, the one thing that I have really tried to do, especially in the, since, I would say since COVID. I mean, it's really, it gave me, uh, gave all of us a lot 
lot of time to think, right? I mean, yeah. it was in one of the things that I, I really try to do is just live in the moment and be locked in to what's going on in that moment. So when I'm at work and I'm on the floor, I'm totally invested. And now when I go home and I can spend some time with my kids, you know, it's time to go on a trip, you know, in the spring with my wife, you know, we always typically we go somewhere together. Just try to be locked into the moment. You know, obviously there's going to be times where you're at work and you got to take a phone call from your wife and I don't mean it like that. Right. But really just living in the moment and appreciating the moment for what it is. And I think eliminating the comparative mindset really helped me with that to where now it's like, I'm going to do the best job I can and some days I'm going to knock it out of the park and there's going to be other days where I'm going to go for four, three strikeouts. You know what? But you got to get up the next day and just try to do the best you can again the next day. And, you know, I think we're all guilty at times of, of losing our focus on what should be priorities for us. And then you just got to try to get yourself centered. And I think, you know, one of the things I probably do a better job now is I, I give myself a little more grace, you know, than I probably did at one point in my career. And you just, I think trying to balance it is a tough thing. I think it's, you just got to live in the moment and do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. So Smitty, I always end the podcast. What are some simple tips for young coaches? Work, work, work. Listen to the people who have done it for a long time with an intent to understand. Don't try to listen with thinking about the next thing that you can say. Work hard. Listen to the people who have done it. Try to do the best job that you can every single day. Live in the moment. And the most important thing is, and this, these are the three words that my dad has always told me, and everybody thinks that I love you or the, would be the greatest thing you can ever hear. My dad always told me, chase your dreams. Mm. So whatever it is that you aspire to do, chase your dreams. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it. Work at it. Stay the course. Chase your dreams. Well, Smitty, I've had the utmost respect for you for a long, long time. You might have known or not known, but till you know today that, you know, you've made an impact in my career and we're similar age, you know, but I've always admired you. I just think stand up guy, always loyal to the people you work for. Just been impressed with your basketball mind. Your ability to recruit has been something I've been so envious and just wished I had that ability. I just applaud you for that, you know, obviously teaching and your high level skills. But, you know, all, the other thing too is we went against each other for a long time. Sure did. <laughs> and, you know, at times when we were in the MAC, you know, the, the programs didn't typically like each other. Right. And, you know, but the one thing about it is we evolved and we stuck together. And by the end, it was like these staffs are too chummy. They're like, but we had respect for each other. And uh, it's always been respect for me to you. I'm really proud of how you've evolved as a person. I've tried to, again, this podcast makes no money, but I'm trying to just show some of my vulnerability and just say like, hey, these are some of the mistakes I've made. Maybe you can not make these same mistakes. And I'm proud of you that you've been so reflective in your career. And obviously, you know, you, right now your priorities are unreal. And, you know, you just inspire me to be a better husband and a better father. I appreciate it, man. You know, I, and I feel the same. You know, we've, it's, I think back to when you were with uh, P-Dub at Detroit and I was with Jay. I mean, that was, I mean, that's over 25 years ago. Yeah. You know, and, and we've known each other and we've crossed paths both competitively and just in a friendly way. And to see what you're doing now as you transition to whatever it is that's next in your career and your life. But I think, you know, one of the things that I, I admire about you is that you've made your family a priority. You know, you could have tried to go take a job somewhere just to take a job and but you've made your wife and your son your priority and you know your whatever it is that you do what you're doing here is going to be so helpful for young coaches whether it's in their coaching career or in their lives and I'm very thankful to call you my friend thanks Smitty thank you that was a great conversation with coach Jeff Smith here are some things that I love that coach Smitty said on why coach Smitty coaches he thought he was going to be an attorney but it all started with him working summer basketball camps 
and he loved being on the floor in a different role. And at the age of 19, Coach Smitty knew that he was going to be a coach. How about when he said, so many people told me that I would not be a Division I coach on Camp Life. Started with Coach Jay Smith. Major shout-outs to Coach Mark Comstock and Coach Roger Lyons. And how about how Smitty was drawn to spending time with the older coaches? I love when he said they gave him a list of books to read. And this, for sure, all laid the foundation for his coaching career. Coach Smitty's thoughts on Coach Greg Campy. Coach Campy's success seems to know no bounds. Powerful statement, Smitty. How about the depth that Coach Campy cares? I love when he said that Coach Campy has so much compassion and concern for the people around him. Pretty interesting that Coach Smitty said that Coach Campy has also evolved as a person, too. And Coach Campy's current mission, besides winning another Horizon League championship, is to impact this world world on Oakland's current coaching staff. How about when Smitty said, we have great synergy with us. We fit together. And when Coach Smitty was a younger coach, my mindset has changed since I was a younger coach. At the beginning, I was so driven to prove people wrong. I am way better now at picking times to work. As I reflect, I wish I was way more patient, empathetic, and open to conversations with people. I was so strong-willed and bullheaded. Unreal Vulnerability by Coach Smitty. How Coach Smitty helps Coach Campy? Defensive focus. And Smitty talked about bringing energy and intensity every day to the practice floor. What is intensity to Coach Smitty? Constant focus on what we are supposed to be doing. Teaching versus criticism. A fine line. Circle back and revisit with the players. Nothing is worse than being misunderstood. I need your help. Come talk to me. On how Coach Smitty worked for a great diverse group of head coaches. And Jim Boylan was the best basketball guy that he's ever been around. I love when Smitty said he felt like he was a carpenter who was creating his own tool chest. And I took things from them to add into my tool chest. More on Coach Boylan. Detailed teacher. 24-7 basketball. Ultimate grinder. It changed my career when I started to recruit Texas. Coach Boylan said to Smitty, I want you to recruit Texas. And Smitty said it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me professionally on a recruiting front. How about the advice that Coach Dave Grube gave to Smitty? No one is ever ready to be a head coach. How about when Smitty talked about he used to have a comparative mindset? He roots for everyone now. Success leads clues. Powerful. And how about how Coach Smitty asked Coach Campy, why did you do that? And how Coach Smitty is still trying to learn and grow. On recruiting, five things a day in recruiting. Rudy T, let's get better on one thing today. And how Coach Boylan told that to the Utah players. And two things that Smitty thinks about on his drive-in. How can I help our team? How can I help us recruit? How about Smitty discussing the balance of being a coach and a parent? Live in the moment, locked into the moment at work and home, and give myself a little bit more grace. And Smitty's simple tips for young coaches, work, 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 and listen to the people who have done it before. Live in the moment and chase your dream. Thank you, Coach Jeff Smith, for sharing your story. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform that you are currently listening. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Instagram at Tell Me Your Story Coach. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Twitter at Coach Kevin Drow. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Kevin Mondro. And if you're looking for high-quality athletic gear and uniforms, check out Moneyball Sportswear. And I can't say this enough. If you're looking for a great book to read, you have to grab a copy of Deep, The Life of Rob Murphy, Alive with Purpose. Finally, if you're looking for another amazing book, pre-order Rashad Phillips' book, Basketball Position Metric. Stay safe. I can't say this enough. Be you. Keep coaching. And see you on the next episode of the Tell Me Your Story Coach podcast.